Everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we are talking to Joey Sheffield. Joey was the drummer for that excellent 90s rock band, Fastball. Okay, you may remember them. Their second album, All the Pain Money Can Buy, was a huge hit. It went platinum. It featured a lot of hit songs, like this one right here, The Way. Everyone remembers this song. It still gets played. There was Fire Escape. There was Out of My Head. Well, the phenomenon that happened to them and happened to a lot of other 90s bands was that they are sort of one album wonders, whether it's the Spin Doctors or the Presidents of the United States of America or whatever. The follow-up album, The Harsh Light of Day, came out in 2000, and it's just as good, but it didn't do very well. And who, know why, who knows why these things happen, you know? Tastes move on? I don't know. Well, fastball's never gone away. They've always been, you know, a growing concern. In fact, just a couple of months ago, they put out a brand new album called The Help Machine. So I say that because if you hear things in here like you hear The Way, and you think, oh, I haven't thought about that song in a long time, and I want to hear it again, or these songs are great, I should know more, or whatever it is, you can pretty much start anywhere because The Help Machine is really good and it's brand new. So let me tell you a little bit about the dynamic of Fastball. It's primarily two songwriters, Tony Scalzo, and Miles Zuniga, and they write all the songs. Joey plays the drums, he doesn't write the music. And all the hits are written by one of those two guys. Well, you would think that I would probably want to talk to one of them, but I specifically sought out Joey because in the early 2000s, he drummed in this short-lived band that I absolutely loved called Young Heart Attack. Okay, they only ever put out one album called Mouthful of Love. And if you like, I mean, imagine ACDC, The Who, and The Darkness all coming together, wrapped into one package, that's what Young Heart Attack was. So, yes, I like fastball, and I hope that you come away from this being turned on to anything. But if I could encourage you to go out and find one album that I'm pretty sure you don't know anything about and would love, it is Mouthful of Love by Young Heart Attack. And that's what we kick off this conversation talking about, is Young Heart Attack, okay? So, Joey called me from his home in Austin, Texas. Okay, well, uh, I am extremely happy to be speaking with you specifically, Joey, because I have wanted to have someone from Fastball on the show for a long time, but I love the band Young Heart Attack. And oh my gosh. <laughs> I have always wondered who those people are, where they went, what the story was. And it wasn't until well, a couple years ago 
after I started yeah. this podcast where I realized that you were in that band. And I thought, well, this I is was. perfect. I can get Joey and then I can cover both bases at once. Tell me about yeah, that yeah. heart attack. Oh my gosh. Well, that was, uh, I, I don't remember the year. It was probably 2004, I think. And Tony was playing with them oh. and uh, playing, playing keyboards. And he called me up out of the blue and said, man, we're having drummer problems. Can you come and cover a couple of shows? I said, sure. You know, I, that's what I do. Let's, mm-hmm. let's play some music. And, and I, I knew of them. I didn't really know their music. Hmm. And I knew all the guys in the band, except for a couple of people didn't really know them very well. And I got in there and we started playing these songs and I, I just started having so much fun. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, this is fucking awesome. These yeah. guys, all they want to do is rock. Uh, I mean, that's all they want to do. And, yeah. and I love that, you know, and, and it, it just really hit me like a ton of bricks and two shows turned into like three years, you yeah. know, so, <laughs> but it was, I had a, a lot of fun in that band. You know, we got, we got some attention over in the UK. Okay. Uh, had a record deal with a label over there. Uh, went to, to the UK numerous times. I can't even count how many times uh. I went over there. For, for God knows what. Uh, went on tour with Motorhead twice. Really? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, which was just un... It was phenomenal. One of the most yeah. phenomenal experiences of my entire life. Went on tour with The Darkness. You remember those guys? Of course. Yes. I love them too. At the peak, at the peak of their popularity... Uh, when they signed, as a matter of fact, one night we played with them, I almost got pulled into playing drums for the darkness because they had no. signed their multi-million dollar publishing deal the night before, and they partied so hard that their drummer was just beyond <laughs> out of it. And I was, I was literally, I was literally walking onto the Young Heart Attack bus because they were getting ready to go to the next town we had an overnight drive or something uh-huh. and I'm put my foot onto the steps of the bus and I feel his hand on my back and it was darkness manager. And he turned, he looks at me today. He goes, can you stay just a little while longer? We might need you to play. <laughs> yes. I said, okay. So they stationed me on the side of the stage to watch their drummer. Who's a friend of mine. Great guy. Love him to death. Okay. And to make sure if he falls off the throne to run up there and pick it up and keep playing. Yeah, it's like a total rock and roll. Like, yeah. okay, we, we got this guy in the wings in case you fall off. And he did great. Uh-huh. He did great. I could tell he was, you know, feeling bad. Uh-huh. And they they finished their set. He walked off stage, puked his guts out in a garbage can, <laughs> walked back on stage and did the encore, and then collapsed. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of the most rock and roll things I've ever seen. It was like, all right, man, dude, that you are, dude, that goes down in the, in the history books right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, I, uh, so I used to work for tower records in the early two thousands and, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I worked in their corporate office. I did like regional marketing. And, uh, so there were just constant CDs coming through the office, just stacks of them all over the place. And you'd, take a few of them home and see what you thought. And I had no idea what Young Heart Attack was, but it looked kind of cool. And then you pop it in and it's this beautiful mixture of ACDC and The Who.
together. It borders on the parody that, like, the darkness may have started out with or Steel Panther or whatever. But the beauty is that right. it bands like the darkness now, you realize that's who they are. You know, it may have. Oh, yeah. They may have seemed like they were copying someone originally, but you realize that's what they do and they do it well. And I thought Young Heart Attack was on a kind of a similar kick. And I that's the only album I know of. I never saw you guys in concert, never heard another word. I just had a free copy laying around the office at Tower. And so I've always wondered, right. what is the story with this guy? <laughs> well, it was, you know, uh, uh, it was a couple of guys. Um, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the band. The space rock band in Austin that I'm not going to remember the name of. I'm, I'm okay. horrible about that. Okay. Uh, that was uh, Frenchie Smith and 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 Steve, uh, the bass player. They, you know, formed this band, and and I didn't really know anything about them. And Tony kept talking about Young Heart Attack, you know, when, uh -huh. around fastball, and and kept doing shows with them. And I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, uh -huh. side project. And then I I I played with them, and it, it was just I to this day it, it's. It's it's funny that you bring them up because recently I listened to one one of the streaming services I can't remember which one but one of their songs just came on out of the blue. No way. One, one of the ones that I put one of the ones that I played on mm -hmm. and I hadn't heard that stuff in a long time and I was just like holy fucking shit <laughs> yes. this is badass yes yes this is, this is awesome and I and I. You know, started thinking. Okay, we need to have a reunion show. We need to yes. get these guys together and blah 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 blah. You know, and you know, didn't I haven't followed up on that? But yeah, but it, it really energized me. Just and it brought back all the memories of all the touring we did and all the all the fun shows we did and the recording and stuff. It, yeah. it was it was it was a, a, a highlight uh, of of what I've done. Yeah. You know, as a musician, and it, and it was during a time where you know, Fastball wasn't doing that much, and mm -hmm. Miles and Tony were doing acoustic duo stuff, and and I needed something to do you know sure. and it was it was great huh why did it end where why did it why did you guys not continue man that's a that's that's the weirdest thing I, I, the end of that band was the strangest fade to black that i've ever been around really? there was some intern there was some internal strife between a couple mm. of the guys and we got back from this one tour i can't remember which one it was and all of a sudden the phone calls stopped and people stopped talking to each other. And we had this quote unquote manager who tried to get us together. And we would sit in this room and nobody would really say anything. And, and it was just, it was just, it got really strange, really fast. And then all of a sudden a, a, a few of the guys in the band were doing young heart attack with some other dudes, mm. you know, and which is fine. You know, I, and yeah. we're all still friends. I still love those guys that, you know, Frenchie Smith, uh, produced or helped or co-produced one of the fastball records okay you know and he was he was a guitar player young heart attack awesome guy love him to death yeah you know uh, but but it's you know it's 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 just band personalities it, that mm. shit happens yeah. that happens all the time you know egos and personalities and you know people get their feelings hurt and yeah it's just it's, it's like any relationship yeah you know except with this there's there's sometimes there's creativity a lot of creativity creativity thrown in and yeah. and potential money you know future yep. money and people start arguing about that stuff and you know that you all stuff you everybody's heard a thousand times sure. okay but uh mm. but it's my, my my goal is to get everyone back together and do just one big reunion show in austin just to uh. fucking blow it out because i'm so I, I listen to uh you know what's on the radio these days and 
There's some great music out there. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it all seems so timid to I me. Agree. Yes. It's like, does anybody have any balls anymore? Yeah. Does anybody know what an electric guitar is supposed to fucking sound like? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love a lot of the new stuff, but God, everything just seems so like cutesy and timid. Yeah. And oh, I don't want to play too hard. And uh, we're in the coffee shops. Like, come on. Yeah. God. Yeah. I totally agree. We're going to sprinkle in little snippets of the songs we talk about. I want you to tell me what song on that album you feel an especial you you feel a special affection for because I want to play a little bit of a, of it right here for, so people know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, on the Young Hearts album. Yeah. Uh, man, it's a cover we did called Over and Over. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah, boy, that would be so much fun. I, that that album is just this, you know, little gem that's hidden away somewhere that you really have to find or stumble on. And when you do, it's so gratifying. And I just thought, these guys should have, there should have been more. I mean, you know, the darkness have been able to keep it going. Steel Panther have been able, not to, you know what I'm saying? Like that thing, ha- they, they have legs. It turns out they could make it work. Why young heart attack should be out there too? Anyway. Yeah, it's it's it, you know it. Who knows? I mean, yeah. some, some people can make it work, some people can't. And and regarding the darkness, you, know, you talked about the whole parody thing. Uh huh. Those guys were those guys. I got to know those guys really well. They are fucking for real. Yep. I mean, the stuff they do, they're not. They're not. It's none of that's a parody. No. Nope. That is who they really fucking are. And that Justin can sing like no one else i mean it's like freddie mercury style i mean i was just like oh my gosh and live yeah i have never heard a rock and roll band sound as good live as those guys do i'm talking about sonically Mm -hmm. just amazing and super fucking loud but really good loud not like sloppy loud i agree i saw them a few years ago they they knocked me out they were amazing yeah 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 Agreed. Okay, well, good. I've always wondered what the young heart attack story was, and I was hoping you would tell me. Thanks, Joey. That was, I just, <laughs> I hope, I mean, I like fastball too, but I hope I can turn some people on to the young heart attack album. Um, oh, please do. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, so let's talk fastball for a minute. I'm really curious what the dynamic is in your band, because 
obviously Miles and Tony are both really great songwriters and not every album seems democratically split, but a lot of them are. And it seems like they work separately from each other, but come together in a really respectful way. I mean, maybe I'm projecting and it's not quite as beautiful or as harmonious as it seems. Is that, how does this work with the three of you, you know? Well, your, your description is pretty accurate. I mean, in okay. the beginning, it was it, it was completely separate. Uh, you know, Miles wrote his stuff, Tony Rose hit, wrote his stuff, and as the years went by and we did more and more records, they started doing stuff together mm -hmm. and separately. Mm -hmm. This last record, it was kind of back to where we were, kind of like, you know, Tony at his house doing his stuff, and Miles recording stuff in Marfa, Texas, and at his house, and, and then bringing it to the band, and we, you know, put our stamp on it and make it a fastball tune but but they, there is a lot of mutual respect and and it, it's weird for me because i don't ever think about it about who wrote the song mm -hmm. and that, ne that has never entered my head from day one it still hasn't i always really? think of them as you know this is a fastball song let's make it a fastball song huh. make it sound like like fastball yeah I, I don't i don't i don't even you know the fact that one guy's singing it and then another guy's singing a song that doesn't ever you know, I've, we've been playing together for so long. I just don't ever, that doesn't ever affect my thinking or, or I, I don't ever keep, keep track or keep tabs. Like this last record, Miles has more songs on it than Tony. I didn't even know that, you know, yeah. I was just like, yeah. Oh wow, you're right. He does. Okay. Well, yeah. okay. Nope. No problem. And Tony, you know, to his credit, he writes great songs and, and he, this time around Miles had, you know, the, the stronger tunes that made mm -hmm. the record and Tony had, some great songs that made the record and that's just the way it worked out this time. You okay. know, next time it might be different. Yeah. It's, it's, and nobody gets, I, neither one of those guys gets their feelings hurt or Tony wasn't like, well, I want more songs on the record. Yeah. You know, he never does anything like that. You know, okay. he, he's, they, I think we're all of the mindset now that whatever is best for the band, yeah. you know, what, whatever we, we have to put our best foot forward because it's hard as hell to, sell records we can make records all day long sure. uh, we love making records we're really good at it we've gotten really good at it working with steve berlin was awesome but there's no real fighting or or or, okay. or, or whinging about not getting enough songs on the record okay <clears throat> is there that was i think that's a na that was going to be one of my questions because it's a natural byproduct of a situation like this especially you know the way hits really big and that's tony's and then Firescape is Miles, and that's good, but it's not quite the same as as the way.
no one's like envious or you know copping an attitude or anything like that it's all kind of a real all for one kind of vibe uh there, there may have been some of that back in the day a little bit but okay. it never really blossomed into something that was a problem okay you know we we structured the band from day one just a, a, in a business you know nobody wants to talk about business but we sure. structured it so that there was some some share and share alike in there Good. you know obviously the songwriters get get more the lion's share but mm -hmm. the other band members get something to keep the thing rolling Good. you know and that was that we did that like in the very beginning like mm -hmm. before before we even had a record deal just to be smart about it yeah. you know uh because we had no idea what was going to happen yeah and and when it even when it was happening i was kind of like i was so clueless when the way it was coming out so clueless <laughs> i mean just beyond clueless i, I had oh. miles Colomy telling me k-rock picked up the way you know the the, the mega station out on the uh -huh. west coast that influences everybody right and i'm like oh cool man yeah right. cool <laughs> you know then 10 minutes later our manager's calling me and that he's freaking out k-rock picked up the way and i'm like okay good okay yeah sure next thing i know we're on a bus you know like cruising yeah. around like pirates in a submarine <laughs> yeah 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 how did your i mean Illustrate for us, if you can, how your life changed. I mean, the 90s were a big period and a tough period. A lot of bands like you guys weren't necessarily one-hit wonders, but like one-album wonders, you know? Like yeah. Presidents of the United States of America. I talked to them recently, and there was a lot of that. Like uh, Vertical Horizon or whatever. You know, they come out big. They got a couple of hits, but it can't be sustained. And it's not necessarily the band's fault. It's more just the politics and the business that's happening at that time. When it started to take shape and you guys started to get really successful, how did your life change? How did my life change? Uh, well, I was gone all the time. Okay. Um, you know, we were we we traveled the world. Uh, we worked our asses off. We did every radio station, you know, visit and interview and and show and radio show and and you know, pressing the flesh and meet and greets and yeah. photo sessions. You know, just it's just endless. It's just on and on and on and on and on and. I think we all had the mindset of this is awesome. Let's work as hard as we can and mm -hmm. make the most of this because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, this could be the last real money we make or the last real success we ever have. So let's make the most of it. So we, we worked our asses off, yeah. you know, we put our nose to the grindstone and didn't say no to, mm -hmm. to very much, you know, mm -hmm. some of the stuff in retrospect, we should have said no to some things, but <laughs> But we, we tried to do, you know, we tried to maximize the the uh, effect that those the, the hits yeah. that came off that record were going to have. Yeah. Which 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 you have to do back then. You have to do that now. It, it's it's right. a necessity. Yeah. You know, it's either you you continue to work and keep your name and face out there, or you just perish. Yeah. You know. I remember, like the first big check I got. I don't mm -hmm. like to talk about money, but I'll say this one thing. Uh huh. I remember thinking wow, this is more money I've ever had in my entire life. I'm set. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, it was literally like $30,000. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I had never, I had never made any money. I, yeah. I worked my ass off, you know, playing in a hundred bands and took every shitty gig I could possibly get. I worked like regular jobs while right. playing in bands, you know, just trying to make it happen. And, you know, finally made a little dough and thought, oh man, I'm set. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's wild. So, like, what were the what struck you back? I mean, was it? I imagine you had cars picking you up. 
from the airport and and you had girls and you had you were opening for some band you always loved who now know who's who you are and you're you can't believe it i mean what were some of the hallmarks of that success at that time yeah get you know get being treated like a and i use air quotes here like a rock star uh-huh. was a lot of fun i i was married and faithful to my wife so i didn't participate in that part of it mm, right um, and and i'm also i'm also sober so i wasn't partying Good my for you. okay so my 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 nickname in the band was i go now <laughs> like the <laughs> The, the show was over. Those guys would start cranking up the whatever was happening at that point, yeah. and I would just, you know, boop, I'm out of here. Yeah. So I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and there's no judgment here, you know. Sure. I've, those guys, those guys, everyone deserves to do whatever the hell they want to. But yeah, you know, having a having a crew, set yeah. up my stuff and tear it, all of our stuff and tear it down. Having yeah. a tour manager to handle all the bullshit that has to be handled. Yeah you know, be given a schedule in the morning and this is what you're doing today. And, you know, all of a sudden there's a car out front and somebody's driving you somewhere to go do something, you know, that that's all really nice stuff instead yeah. of having to wrangle all that stuff yourself. I bet. Um, I bet. Did you ever meet any heroes? That. Did you, you know, let's see, you had to be a music lover. Did you cross paths with anyone interesting? I'm trying to think. God, it's so long ago. Okay. I, I will tell you. I will tell you. In Young Heart Attack, I met Brian May, and Ooh, I was nice. like, "That was a good one." Yeah, that was a great one. I, I yeah, I was blown away by that. Uh, and and getting to see Lemmy every night. Yeah. And hang out with that guy. He he was he literally. You know, people talk about him, say whatever, but he uh-huh. literally is the personification of rock and roll. I believe it. He doesn't give a shit what he may thinks. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do when he does it. And yeah. he gets up on stage and kills. Yeah. I mean, kills every night. There, there's no holding back. No, I'm tired. No, I had a bad day. Mm-hmm. None of that. It's mm-hmm. all about the music. It's all about rock and roll. Uh, yeah. So seeing that really, that was like seeing one of my heroes. But I'm trying to think back to the fastball days. Uh, I was just curious if you, you know, you got, you went out on tour with someone Someone interesting. I, I never, I've never seen Fastball live. I wish I had, but I, uh, I don't know if you opened well, we, for somebody or. We went out. We went out with all the all the bands that had records out then. You okay. know, Sugar Ray, Goo Goo Dolls, Vertical yeah. Horizon, all the all the '90s bands that still get played yeah. on you know, classic radio. Yeah. Those were all the people we went out with. Okay. And none of those guys were my heroes. Yeah. Uh, I, I I you know met a lot of guys and and gals and, and hung out with them and, and had good times and made friendships that I still have today. Good. Um, like who? But, uh, uh, well, Matt and vertical horizon is nice. a great guy. I've heard that. Uh, yep. and Mike Malinen, who was the drummer in Goo Goo Dolls yeah. no longer is, but he, he and I got really tight. Uh, we still, uh, text back and forth and whenever cool. I'm around him, you know, we get together I'm trying to think who else. Okay. I was just uh, curious. The guys, in Gen- the guys, the guys in gin blossoms, Mm. Uh, we love those guys. Yeah, um, I could see that. All, all those guys are great. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. So let's talk then about the follow-up. I mean, that album, The Harsh Light of Day, is almost just as strong, but, you know, one album sells over a million, and the next one sells like 85,000 copies. Right. Uh, how do you? How are you feeling, you know? I, I'm imagining a band like you guys, you're thinking, boy, we just had all the success we're set, like you were saying about the thirty thousand bucks. We're set, and we you work hard on this great new album. You feel good about it. The night before it comes out, you're all like, 
you're not cracking some champagne because you don't drink, but you're so excited to find out what happens. And then it's the reaction's quieter than you imagined. And it might be a little bit of a letdown there and it's not selling like you thought. Is that what's going on or are you oblivious? No, no, it's, you feel it. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're not nearly as busy. The yeah. phone's not ringing nearly as much. Your manager is not picking up as much as yeah. people at the record company aren't talking to you like they did, you know, it's, and you're not visiting nearly as many radio stations. And when you do, it's a different vibe, you know, it, you could just feel the air coming out of the balloon. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it started off really slow. And then as we progressed into the record and, you know, realized that your notion wasn't happening to radio, or I think I can't remember what the first single was. I think that was it. You know, uh, they moved on to a different single and that one didn't happen. And then mm -hmm. it's kind of like, well, you know, and that, that stuff costs a lot of money. Yeah. You know, the record companies, they, they, they shell out a fortune to, to promote songs at radio. Yeah. And if a couple of songs don't work, they're, they're going to stop, you know, they're not going to yeah. keep throwing money at it, which yeah. is what happened. And, and I don't blame them. And it's, you know, for me, it, it, I didn't, it didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. It's funny you ask this question because it, it's, it's reminding me of something that happened in young heart attack. It's kind of like tying in. I'm glad mm -hmm. you brought them up. Yeah. I remember going out on tour with those guys and we were playing this club in Detroit and this guy comes up to me and he's like, you're in fastball, right? Uh, I said, I said, I still am. Uh -huh. He goes, he goes, but you're out here with young heart attack and you guys are like, you're in a van and you're loading your own gear and, and you're having to set up and tear down. What does that feel like? Uh -huh. I said, it feels natural. Yeah. Uh, this is what I do. Uh, yeah. You know, if I have a crew, great. If I don't have a crew, big deal. I'm going to yeah. set my own shit up and still play music and love it. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of my attitude and still is when sense. things started, you know, kind of shriveling and yeah. not, not in our, in a musical sense for us, but, you know, the apparatus that was around us started falling away and yeah. we started having to do stuff ourselves and, and now we do everything ourselves and I'm so thankful that we do everything ourselves Good. because it's having control over all that stuff and, and being able to say no to people yeah. and and no to to our manager and mm -hmm. you know, we never said no to our manager back in the yeah. day. Yeah. We were just like we were like little kids and he'd say, You go do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. We'd be like, Okay. Yeah. You know, and we, Miles and I talk often about, oh, oh, if we had just done this or if we had just done that. And, and I know that's not healthy, uh -huh. but we gained a lot of wisdom during those days. And we're using that wisdom now to make our situation better. Hmm. Okay. Are you, um, I mean, are you in a position, I was going to get to this later. I still have a lot of other questions about that album, but are you in a position now where you can be selfish? I mean, do you make a living as a drummer? Are, do you make a living as the drummer of fastball or as a session drummer who plays in fastball? How do you do it? I, I, yeah, the bulk of the bulk of my income comes from fastball. Okay, there's, there's no doubt, and we we all still make money doing it. Uh, our our you know guarantees have gotten to the point where we can you know make a decent living playing live, Good. and we still have publishing publishing income. It still comes in. Good, you know. Yeah. Uh, Tony had that uh, that. Uh, you know, out of my head got picked up by, uh, what's his name? Machine Gun Kelly. Sometimes I feel like I am drunk behind the wheel. The wheel of possibility, however it may roll. Give it a spin, see if you can somehow factor in. You know that. 
know, he got a 50, 50% rider nice. royalty off of that, which was because of the way our thing is set up. We yeah. all shared in that. Good. Uh, and that song went to number one, you yeah. know, and that yeah. was, that was like, holy cow. And we have, we have less structure now. So the money that was coming in wasn't hit as hard by other people, mm-hmm. you know, there fewer hands out. True. So that was nice. You know, that's, okay. that's kept us going. But even without that, we, we've still, you know, we, we went a decade before that even happened. Yeah, doing, true. Doing our thing, doing our thing, making records, Yeah. you know, playing shows, touring, and 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 it's all DIY, yeah. you know. And yeah. it's only the last couple of years that we got management. You know, before that we were self-managed. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Well, good. It's. I mean, we don't. You know, who knows? We never. These '90s bands, especially guys in your situation, like, how are the Spin Doctors doing? How is ever? You know, is everyone able to make it and pay the bills? And it sounds like you are, and that's a that's great. We we. Be- We've been we've been very blessed. Yeah, um, very yeah. blessed. And, and and the fact that we I hate to keep going back to this because I hate talking about business, but the fact that we structured our situation, mm-hmm. our partnership, the way we did in the very beginning, is one of the main reasons that yeah. everything has stayed afloat. Because without that, then you know me and Miles wouldn't have any money, and Tony yeah. would have a lot of money. Right. But but because we did that, we the band has has stayed. Not that's not the only reason. Sure. But that that that's you know. It, you have to make a living. Yep. You know, if you're going to do this, if this is going to be your life, you have to figure out a way to make a living. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that is I have, I play with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, uh, like tonight, I was doing a gig in, in Austin when you called mm. and uh, was finishing up. I, this guy I play with, his name is John D. Graham. Uh, I play with him. I play with his son, huh. uh, William Harris Graham. Uh, for the for like nine years, I played this country gig wow. uh, with Bruce Robinson and Kelly Willis. It's a husband wife team. Huh. Um, but the entire time, if anything, you know, fastball stuff comes up that, you know, it's like that takes priority. Sure. Uh, And that's the way we all, that's the way we all are. Good. Well, I think REM taught us that's the best way to do this business. Didn't they, you know, the four equal splits and not saying you do it exactly like that, but they made that famous. At least they were one of the first bands that I remember saying, this is the best way to do this and other bands following suit. Um, yeah, okay. it's a it's if you want to keep the band together, that's the way to do it. And at funny when we when I was in Young Heart Attack, we I went to this uh, meeting with their publisher, and they were trying to figure out splits on the songs. And I I was like, you know, what whatever, whatever you guys want to do. But the guy the 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 main publishing guy was saying just that. He goes, if you guys want to keep this band together, you have to figure out a way to you know spread the love around yeah. so people feel people feel valued right. uh, and, 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 and so they have some income. Yeah, so. that's it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me ask you a couple songs uh, about a couple things on the, on that uh, Harsh Light of Day album, Billy Preston, the great Billy Preston, the late great. How does he come and play yeah. on your album? Our, our producer, Julian Raymond had some connections and made some phone calls. Next thing I know, there's Billy Preston in the fucking studio. Gosh. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah it's him you know he's doing his thing and and doing it like just like it makes it sound just just like billy preston you know i don't know any other way to describe it and we were all just kind of sitting there with our jaws on the floor um kind of blown away by by how awesome it was yeah we should say he was in he he did what's that i I was gonna say we should mention that it's on your notion if anyone's on your notion yeah 
huge talent comes in and yeah. spreads this talent around and makes this thing great and then he just vanishes yeah you know, it's just like okay on on to the next thing yeah you know what about brian setzer because he's on there too and love is expensive you can and talk free to me about powder kegs how i'm sitting on one right now you can warn me about candles at both ends burning from the outside in don't tell me about true love Cause I don't think you really know You need to pay the cost You need to feel the loss love is expensive and free Love is expensive and free I wasn't around for that. Oh, so, okay. but I heard, I heard that he was amazing. Yeah, you know that guy. That guy is he is one hundred percent music head yep. to toe. Yeah, I mean he he's a, an amazing musician and as, as knows a lot about music and knows how to make things sound great and still still doing it. You know, and uh-huh. I I I, I kicked myself for not being there. I don't, I don't remember what happened, but I wasn't there for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have any stories about him. Okay. Just curious. Um, let's talk about the new album for a minute because I wanted to, you go back to this kind of dynamic that the three of you share. Um, what's the what's the first single off the new album? Sorry, go it's ahead. It's called Help Machine. Help Machine. It's called Help Machine. Okay, okay. Yeah. One, two, three, four, What's your name? What's your name? Now we all know each other. Now we all know each other. Now we all know each other.
I've listened to the album numerous times, but I didn't know what was considered the first single. And so, so Help Machine comes out. That's a Miles song. So does Miles, yep. Miles work on like the bones of this song in his house? And then he calls you and Tony and says, guys, I think I've got a, you know, I've got half a dozen songs here. Let's go get in a studio and bash them out. Or do you go over to Miles's house and work with him on these songs and then they come to Tony and he does his thing and it's Dropbox to back and forth? How does that work, you know? Uh, what what happens with, just, just in general, not that song specifically, but in general. Uh-huh. Well, I'll, 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 it's, it's different every time, but on the last record, those guys had a bunch of demos that they'd done by themselves. And, you know, Tony sent me 15 songs. Mm-hmm. And I listened to all of them and, and, you know, picked out my favorites. And Miles did the same thing. And, you know, what it, I can't remember how many songs he sent me. And we all kind of coalesced around, I don't know, 15 or 16 songs, mm-hmm. you know, that we all thought were, were really good. Went in with uh, Steve Berlin to do pre-production. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to to see if these if you know if the three of us can make them sound like we want them to sound. Or, mm-hmm. or let me rephrase that: if the three of us can make the songwriter happy about the way it's sounding. You know, that that's something that I keep in mind when we're doing this stuff. Is like the songwriter's got to feel good about it. True. You know, if, yeah. if, if 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 Tony wants me to do A, I'm going to do A. Yeah. If Miles wants me to do B, I'm going to do B. I'm not going to argue thinking that what I have in my head is going to be better, mm-hmm. but. I'm, you know, let's. I'm going to defer to the songwriter every time, and sometimes I'll just do whatever I want to do, and they're like, "That's awesome," you know. Uh-huh. It just depends. So then we get in with Steve Berlin, we do pre-production, and we mm. take the songs apart and put them back together, and change the arrangements, and and try different stuff, and and make these kind of um, really crude, you know, recordings in a, in a in a small rehearsal space. Okay. And then listen to those for a little while, and then we book studio time, and got in the studio and took what we learned in pre-production and transferred that into the studio onto, you know, like a, here, here's an expensive studio with expensive mm-hmm. mics. Let's make this sound good. Okay. Uh, so I don't spend a ton of money and we've, you know, we've made so many records and played together so long that it doesn't take us long. You know, we're talking yeah. two or three takes on okay. most songs and we got it, you know, okay. like, it's great. And then we do, they do overdubs and, and, um, then you hear the finished product. Yeah. Okay. But the, but the the nuts and bolts happens. I so said the nuts and bolts most like ninety percent of the nuts and bolts happens. You know, Miles in his room writing his song, yeah, coming up with how he wants it to sound, and you know, putting a drum machine on it or not. Yeah. You know, Tony doing the same sort of thing, and then those songs are brought to the band, and we, you know, do like I just described. Yeah. Okay. And you're never tempted to write music. Is that just not you don't do it? I'm not a songwriter. Do you, you know, do I'm it in not, your own I, free I, time, at least, like at home, or no? No. Okay. No, I I, I love what I do, and yeah. I, I feel like I add whatever I add, you know, is, is a, a positive, valuable thing to the Absolutely. band. Absolutely, yeah. So. <clears throat> okay. I was just curious. Uh, um, there's, there's, no, there's no room for my ego <laughs> in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, I was going to say something similar, but yes, I, I can imagine. I mean, those two are so good at what they do. Um, like, why why get in the way, you know? I mean. Yeah, and, and I, I love those guys, and I love their songs, and I and they're both, you know, they're brothers to me. You know, we've yeah. been together so long. And, and 
And I, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm just haven't, I've never been drawn to it, John. Yeah. I just, I just, for whatever reason, I've never been drawn to songwriting. Okay. I, I've been drawn to, to playing and performing and making other people's songs sound as good as they possibly can with what I have to offer. Yeah. Um, and that, that fulfills me, you know, I don't, I'm just not driven to, to write tunes. Okay. It's just curious. I, one thing I wondered about when you go back and you listen to like, make your mama proud, um, that sounds, it sounds like kind of a garagey, I don't know, almost a punk album in a way. listen to that i don't necessarily hear even the bones or the beginning of the power pop band that's going to emerge in the very next album and i wondered like what happened did some record guy come to you a and r man come to you and say i you know i believe in your talent i think if you strip away the kind of noise and you focus on pop songs you're gonna go big how does this transformation even happen from a noise rock garage band to the power pop guys you guys became? That, that's a really good question. And and I'll try and answer it succinctly. Okay. Um, and, and regarding that record, Miles recently sent me some link to some show we did back when we were just a three-piece. Uh, we must have just gotten off tour huh. or something on that record. And I was like, holy shit, we were fucking bad ass <laughs> i mean just a, it was it was phenomenal yeah. we were so fucking good i couldn't believe how good we were but anyway uh, uh that is go, great so going from i love it uh, what I yeah love going from making mama proud yeah going from making mama proud to to uh you know uh, uh all the pain money can buy uh-huh. basically what happened was we did this thing in new york with julian raymond we we're doing a, a a cover song this guy's in love with you. Mm. You see this guy. This guy's in love with you. Yes, I'm in love. Who looks at you the way I do? When you smile, I can tell. Other. There 
I don't know if you heard it, but it's it's a complete departure from what we normally do. Mm-hmm. And it sounded really cool, and working with Julian was awesome. So we kind of developed that relationship there. And then we came back to Austin, and all of a sudden, Tony brings us out of my head. Mm. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Miles goes, wow. Because I think Miles was kind of tired of doing the, the loud rock thing and, mm-hmm. you know, get up there and you know, do what we're doing and I'll do whatever. I, I love music. Yeah. I'll, I'll play loud. I'll play soft just whatever it is. So Tony brings us out of my head and miles goes, it, it miles kind of thought, okay, so Tony can write those kind of songs. Uh-huh. I have some songs like that. Let's, let's see, let, let's do this wow. and see what happens. And, and Tony's original version of out of my head was this really spooky, no drums, Really? Uh, he was like barely whispering, singing. It was really, I loved it. It was just, it was amazing. Huh. And the the version we did and have done, obviously, is great too. So that, that was, it was kind of like this door opened to another part of what, of the kind of songwriting these guys can do. Uh-huh. And we walked through that door and, and, and embraced it and went with it. Yeah. You know? That, yeah. And, Changed everything. And within... Within that time, you know, Tony brought us the way as well. Mm. And we were playing that song and, and didn't really, I didn't really ever think that much about it. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of a cool song. Yeah. You know, got the, you did this cool. And never, ever, ever thought that it would do, do anything. I thought it was going to be a deep album cut. As a matter really? of fact, the, 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 song that I, the song that I wanted to be a single off that record didn't even make the record. Really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Um, it was a mile song, a song called Black Rain. Oh, yeah, um, I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Which I still love to this day. I wish okay. we played it, but we don't. Huh. Um, so that, that that just goes to show you, you know, don't let the band pick the single. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Especially the drummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, you know, you listen to, the, to that Make Your Mama Proud album, and it's just an, an entirely different thing. And I just think, how does the band that does this turn into the band that did this other thing? And because uh, right. I mean, I don't. If you had stayed like a noise rock band, I don't know that you would have had much success, or maybe a different no, we, kind we, of success. You know, we probably would have got lost in the shuffle. There was so. I mean, those were dime a dozen back yeah. then. And 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 talking about the transformation you're, you're referring to, you get a tiny glimpse of that on Making Mama Proud with that song. Uh, are you ready for the fallout? Ah, uh, good point.
Yeah, true. That's Tony. Tony's showing his, you know, I can do something else besides, you know, lender. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Good point. Um, now, one of my listeners is like one of your biggest fans, and um, uh, he and I were talking the other day about he was kind of giving me like inside information on fastball, you know. And one uh-oh. of the things he said that he wanted me to ask you about is Blue Car. He says, you know, I know a lot about the band, but I don't know much about how Blue Car happened. That's the, uh, <laughs> or Big Car. I'm sorry, Big Car. I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. Big Car is yeah. apparently the band you were in before Fastball. And he he's like, yes. yeah, the fans know there's this mystery about how Big Car happened. What is the story here? What am I missing in Big Car? Well, Big Car, Big Car was, was me and Miles. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and, and two other guys. Uh, that was, uh, that was 19... 19- I met Miles in 1989, I think, when I was, uh, this band I was in disbanded, and he was being managed by someone, and she knew me, and he said, uh, she said, I want you to meet this guy, you know, Miles, and I had seen him around, but I didn't really know him, so I went over to his house and listened to music, and, and you know, so we started playing, huh. and uh, we ended up getting a record deal. Uh, to this like day, that. I don't know how, uh, but we got a record deal. Uh, it was me and Miles and this guy, Jeff Groves. And we got this guitar player, uh, Mark Schultz, out of Los Angeles. <clears throat> so we got this record. This is back in, this is, uh, what, early 90s? Yeah. Okay. When record companies were signing bands uh-huh. right and left, throwing a ton of money at them and seeing who sticks, you know? Right. Um, so we, you know, got this record deal, went out to Los Angeles, made this record, you know, spent forever on it, spent a ton of money on it. And uh, it, you know, we... <laughs> We're getting ready to go on tour, our first tour for the new record. And our A and R guy goes, Well, you guys better enjoy this tour because it's the last one you're gonna do. <laughs> and that was like I was like, Why did you tell us that at the beginning of the tour? Yeah. Why did you tell us that at the end of the tour? Um, but it, it, we just didn't go anywhere. You know, yeah. it was it, it it was a real learning uh process for, for all of us. Uh, especially me, I learned a lot of stuff about how to play in the studio because the guy who produced the record, Dennis Herring, uh-huh. uh, was a real taskmaster oh. and wanted everything a particular way. So there, we did, you know, lots and lots of takes of things, and I learned a lot of a lot of ways to how to play in the studio, what to do and what not to do, and and so did Miles and 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 Jeff too. Uh-huh. Um, Mark, our guitar player, was was a phenomenal guitar player, so he he didn't really need any coaching like that but we sure. you know we were all still kind of green but okay. uh <clears throat> and the song that's, is that's, venus you know, right is that the venus, have, yeah okay yeah venus yeah and that was a single but it never really went anywhere
That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, I was curious. You made it sound so mysterious, you know, and I thought, well, okay, let's find out what the story of Big Car is. Um, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no mystery. I mean, okay. it, 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 I met Miles, and that was great. You know? Yeah, good point. We, he and I have worked together since 89, so that's, there's something there. Yeah, okay. Are you all friends? I mean, that's, <laughs> that sounds bad, but I mean, you know, like, do I don't know that Hall & Oates hang out. I don't think they hang out with each other anymore. Are you guys... At this stage, are you are you have you found a comfortable place where all three guys are like, you know, we will exchange Christmas cards, we go for beers, not you, but you know, go for beers once in a while, hang out, or is it kind of like no, we we don't see each other much until we have to come together as fastball to play a gig or record an album? We are we are friends. We're yeah. all close. We don't we don't socialize that much. I. You know, I'm I'm a family man. I got four kids. You know, mm -hmm. Tony's got children. Miles has a kid. Uh, you know, so there's you know there's that that uh -huh. changes everything. Uh, <clears throat> I I moved. Uh, I used to live in Austin. I moved a little west of Austin, so I'm a little farther out oh. than those guys. Okay. I think Miles and I think Miles and Tony see each other, you know, socially occasionally. Okay. Uh, I'm not really sure. I think they hang out every now and then. Okay. Uh, but but mostly it's when we're touring or you know doing shows or, or making records yeah okay um, okay i was just curious i don't know i hope that's not a sensitive question i just was wondering no what... not, no not at all oh. no I, I i love those guys and i i would do anything with them or for them Good. you know and, okay. and and they're they're they both know they're welcome in my house anytime cool <laughs> and they're in austin too right i mean everyone's sort of around each other yeah, we're all in Austin. They live probably like six or seven miles from each other, and I live about 30 miles west of Austin. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. What is the, when you guys do tour, This so I talked to Art Alexakis recently from Everclear, and we were talking about this. Yeah. He heads up the Summerland Festival, which is sort of, yeah. it's like those 80s nostalgia tours, but for 90s bands. And something right. I've... I've, that's come up with other 90s artists that I've talked to is that there is a vibrant 80s nostalgia circuit happening out there, you know, um, lost 80s and retro Futura and stuff like that. I'm not sure if that same hunger is there for 90s nostalgia. Um, but I don't know. I, and I wondered if is there and you guys get invited to that kind of stuff or do you you don't need that? You just play fastball shows that you know, mid-level well, theaters around the country and you're good. We, we do get lumped in with some of the nineties nostalgia stuff. And we, we've done, you know, we've toured with, with, with art, with uh, uh -huh. Everclear oh, okay. uh, recently. Oh, good. Um, and, and vertical horizon. So we get lumped in with that. I, it's funny. I just, I just, I personally, I never think of it that way. Oh, really? You know? I mean, I know those guys, you know, those bands are from the nineties and mm -hmm. yeah, we're doing this, "Quote unquote '90s package tour," mm -hmm. uh, and they're probably be, it's probably being advertised like that. But for me, I just don't. I just I never think about it like that. It's probably okay. naive and stupid. I, I don't know, but I just think about it as, you know, we're going out and doing our thing. This yeah. is what we do, yeah. you know. And and yeah, it would be nice to to not get lumped in with that, you know, to just to stand alone. Uh -huh. um, but it's it's where we're from. It's kind of how we got tagged. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to shake that, mm -hmm. you know. So I I don't think about it too much because i don't want it to bother me mm -hmm. and and the, the other part of me is kind of like well why don't we just embrace it you know make the best of it sure um 
Yeah, sure. I just, I talked to so many, I talked to mostly legacy artists and there's a lot of people that I talk to who, if they're a part of a package tour, they make a great living. But if they are want to play a show by themselves, you know, it might be in a little theater to like a hundred people, you know, and it's not, there's just a big difference there in scope of what they're able to do. And I, I mean, you're still putting out great albums. So obviously there's demand there and you're still a vibrant band. You're not playing on nostalgia. But I just wondered if you're able to, you know, go out and put fastball shows up on the marquee where I live here in Denver and there's a couple hundred people there and it's good. You guys can, you know, pay your bills doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it depends. You know, it definitely definitely package tours are, they are financially, uh, uh, you know, it's a good financial situation. You come back and you're just like, okay, cool. That well, that was great. Yeah. And you know, we do. I hate to use this word, but they're, they're kind of called one-offs. Mm. You know, where you mm-hmm. go play a festival or a sure. fair or a casino, mm-hmm. and those pay really well. Yeah. You know, it's doing one of those is like doing ten uh, club gigs. I bet. Uh, they're not. Oftentimes, they're not as uh, satisfying mm-hmm. in a musical sense mm-hmm. uh, because just because of the, the situation you might be in, mm-hmm. you know, play, playing venues or clubs or theaters are, is far more desirable. Yeah. And we can do that. It's, it, it just depends on the market and, uh, whether we have a new record out or not, that, that really changes everything. When you have a new record and you have something to promote, it's a lot easier to put something yeah. together that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we're still able to do that, you know, to a certain degree. Some areas uh-huh. of the country we do great in, other areas not so good. It just, it just, it really all depends. Okay. Okay. I was just curious what the reality was like for a band like Fastball today. You know, what's, uh... it's, you, you have to, it, the reality is, is, and nobody wants to know this, but you have to work your ass off. Yeah, you know, you have it. to, you have to hustle. Yeah. You have to do the, and when you get gigs, you got to make sure that you do the best you possibly can, no matter what's going on, so that, the people that are there love it and talk about it. Yeah. And the people that who are running the thing and make and promoting it are like, these guys are awesome. Let's have them back. You know, yeah. you gotta, you have to, you gotta be pros about it. Sure. Makes sense. Okay. Um, I want to talk music with you for a minute. Cause based on fastball and young heart attack and, and being in playing with country guys and stuff, you seem like somebody who is a real music head. And I'm curious if you like, what are some of your, I always think it's interesting what my favorite artists, what their favorite albums are and stuff like that. Do you have that kind of, you know, information at the ready? What what album do you think you just play more than any other? Oh, man. I, that's... <laughs> Come on. It's wow. fun. Uh, you know, I, I really like... I've been listening to a lot of Clash recently. There you go. And uh, I love Combat Rock. Yeah. Uh, you do? That album's so yeah. weird. I know. I know. Huh. <laughs> it, it is. I think my uh, favorite Clash that. song, though, is Straight to Hell, and that's on there. But, um, yeah, that album is That's so, a good one. It's kind of unsatisfying. When they get weird, they get really weird, and it's a little, you know, like half of Sandinista could could have been deleted. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a weird record, but, but it, 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 for whatever reason, resonates with me. Okay. I love um, that you said that. <clears throat> awesome. Great. <laughs> trying to think of what else you know it's funny i i don't i hate to even admit this but i don't really li- sit down and listen to records anymore mm. you know yeah. people just mm. don't do that i i listen to 
a couple of radio stations here in town and like stream stuff, you know, and it, you know how that shit works. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hate to even admit this, but I still don't even know how Spotify works. <laughs> it's like they keep they keep giving me these lists that I don't want. How do uh-huh. I make it not do that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a service. They're you know they're being helpful. They're providing you with a service. Here's a bunch like, of music you might like. Don't help me. Yeah. <laughs> don't you know I'm the drummer of a band? I don't need your help. Yeah, I could see that. But I, I, I love. You know, I've recently been listening to some some live REM. Mm. And you told you brought up REM earlier. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those guys were. Oh God, yeah. I forgot how amazing they yeah. were. Just yeah. fucking unbelievable. Just yeah. so good live. I mean, just there's there are few bands. No wonder they were so huge. You know. Mm. There are a few bands who can pull off something live as well as those guys do or yeah. did. Um, Favorite REM song? Uh, Pretty Persuasion. I had a feeling you were going to say one of the older tracks. Okay. My favorite is uh, "Turn You Inside Out," which is kind of a deeper track on Green, but um, oh yeah, no, that's a good one. It's got big, heavy, yeah. you know, Bill's drums are so big on that one, and uh, it's got this kind of droney guitar that goes on and on. I I love that song for whatever reason. That's one of my favorites. But um, well, I I follow those guys from when they first came out. You know, I I had the the first e- the first uh, EP and and w- tried to go to every single show I possibly could. I even they had this show that they were going to do in Mexico city and mm-hmm. me and a buddy of mine, you know, booked flights and went down to Mexico city and they ended up canceling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we found us, we found ourselves in Mexico city, you know, with nothing to do. We, yeah. we definitely had a good time, but uh, sure. you know, we went down there to see REM. That's how big of a fan I was back yeah. in the day. I'm trying to think of who else I'm listening to. I've been listening to a bunch of Al Green. Ooh, recently. Nice. Just, just, uh, just, just, you know, yeah. so soulful and yeah. so, so amazing. And, and the production on that stuff and, and some of the stuff they were doing, uh, production wise, like on the drums, you mm-hmm. know, like the conga hit on every snare drum hit, you know, mm-hmm. to make that, that sound that he has, you know, just who, who came up with that? I don't know. <laughs> so fucking cool. I know. It's miraculous. Um, um, yeah. You're, what about fastball? Tell us, because like I said, we're going to sprinkle in some songs. Tell us before we end here. We're going to, you know, wrapping it up. Tell us a song, a deep cut on any of the albums that you're like. You know what? If I could just tell a fastball fan to rediscover this one track, this is the one. 
What what is it going to be? Well, I've already mentioned it, and I'll mention it again. It's Black that Rain. song "Black Rain." Yeah, that Miles wrote. Yeah. Okay. I I he 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 doesn't like that song probably probably because he doesn't like the lyrics, you know. Mm. But I I love that song, and and always I have and still do, and it's it's a guilty pleasure. Okay. Um. So I would I would I would say that. Okay. All right. We'll play a little Black Rain in here then. Well, look, yeah. Joey, thank you for talking with me. I, like I said, yeah. I love fastball and I love Young Heart Attack. And the fact that I got to talk about both with the same guy is just perfect. <laughs> perfect symmetry. So thank you so much for well, talking with me. Thank you, John. It's been a, a real pleasure. I appreciate it. You bet. There you have it. Joey Sheffield. What a good dude. I really like that guy. And I hope you guys did too. Again, the new album is called The Help Machine. Okay. Check it out. It's great. And let's close it out with the song he requested, Black Rain. And he's right. This song is killer. They need to add it to their set. In fact, I can hear some similarities between this song and the Young Heart Attack stuff. Because it rocks. Uh, by the way, this episode goes out to our friend, David, don't call me Dave, Gutierrez. I know I, I'm friendly with David, as are a lot of us podcasters. He's sort of in the mix there, in the community. And he never shuts up about his fandom to, of fast, fastball. So when I saw that I had an opportunity to maybe talk to Joey or someone from the band, I thought, oh, David's going to love this. So anyway, this one was for David. I, it's for me, too, because I love these bands. But knowing that David would get off on this, that was sort of the impetus, all right? So this one's for you, David. Anyway, huge thanks, as always, to my right-hand man, Yan the Man Makevich. Thank you, Yan, for everything that you do. You're the best. We are so grateful and lucky to have you as our producer. And you guys know what to do by now. You can find us on Facebook and you can like our page. Uh, you can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. There might be something coming out later this week, I believe, a bonus episode. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Also, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to run next week. I, uh, I have a bunch of episodes that I'm really excited about and I have a few that I'm less excited about that I just need to kind of put out there. And so I'm not sure which way we're going to go. It is most likely going to be a member of probably the poster power pop band of all time. If you can imagine who that is. Okay. I think that's the direction we're going to go next week, but I may change my mind. I don't know for sure. All right. So we will see you next week. Thanks everybody. <laughs>